and you're listening. And you're listening. You're listening to Salmon. 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 To Salmon Fest. Welcome, folks. We're back with another episode of Salmon Fest Radio. This is our 12th episode of our very first season. It is our second to last episode. Nothing. No excitement. Well, I'm excited. I'm trying. I'm just flooded by a whole surfeit of emotion. And I, I'm not sure how I should feel about how fast this has gone by and how many great people we've had a chance to speak with and how we've been able to live in the nostalgia of the before time by listening to music from Sam and Fest back in 2019, the last time we got together and, and uh, had that kind of fun. So, yeah, I've got mixed emotions, but we still have one more after our 12th after today, right? Yeah, that's right. We have had an opportunity to chat with a lot of really incredible people this series and this first season of Salmon Fest Radio. And for our final episode, we're really going to go look back on all those conversations and really pull out what our favorite moments and and the bottom line messages we learned from each of those Salmon Champions are. And we're going to look forward to another season of Salmon Fest Radio and another year of Salmon Fest music festival which is happening 2021 but in the spirit of that like looking back at what we've done and thinking about moving forward I wanted to take this moment to acknowledge that we are hosting today from Homer Alaska which is the traditional and unceded lands of the Denina people and we like to think about when we're acknowledging the past stewards of this land, that idea of remembering forward. We're remembering the people that have been here in the past and and paying gratitude to them for taking care of this place that we all now love and share. And we're moving forward together to take care of it in perpetuity. You know, I've been thinking about that from a little different perspective, Satchel, because I don't know if you've noticed, but there is a building boom here in Homer. And I think it's happening all over the state. So I've only lived here for 15 years, and I'm just beginning to know this place. And I am beginning to appreciate what people have known here and done here and experienced here for hundreds and thousands of years. I'm just on the verge of that. We have all these new people moving to the area. So it sort of behooves us who have been here to help them to be their guides to introduce them to the things that are important to us, to introduce them to the culture of salmon that they'll they'll uh, kind of soon immerse themselves, whether it's up standing in the Kasilov River with the net or it's out in the Kachemak Bay here trying to catch kings or wherever the folks are trying to recreate. I think it's really important that we help them appreciate the traditions that have gone on here for so long and introduce them to some of the history that's not always gone well in the last hundred years, that where we've made some mistakes about taking care of our resources and and trying to keep us generally on the right path. And these new folks that are coming in, they're not going to have a guide, so maybe we can encourage folks to step up and and find ways to introduce people to what a magnificent uh, place this place is. Yeah, these are really important conversations to have. I think a lot of people come and they get to know their community and their coffee shops and their their like favorite places to eat and and recreate but but really getting into relationship with the the wild things that um we live amongst is important and yeah and it takes a long time to understand those systems and those relationships so as much as we can all embody a little bit of sharing and teaching 
This is this is the month where I keep a, a can of bear spray in my pocket because we know that all of the all of those cow moose are down here in the flats dropping their calves around and that the bears are following to see if they can move in on some of that action. And this is the time you might bump into a bear. And that kind of local knowledge is great to convey to other people. And and I just, when I see those calves this time of year dropping in town, I wonder, I want to talk to somebody who was here a thousand years ago to find out, is that the practice? Did they always come down to this the flats here to drop their calves is have the cranes always been in this area or is it different now and i just uh, uh would love to tap into that knowledge to to get a better grasp on how how this place is changing and how it's the same well we can't talk to people who lived here a thousand years ago but it does sort of reiterate the importance for for story sharing and knowledge sharing and passing that wisdom along. And I'm sure that there are people, maybe not from a thousand years ago, who still hold that knowledge, but who have knowledge of this place many generations before our generations today. That's an excellent point. There are still people that are connected to that knowledge. And all we have to do is find a way to share with them. That was a really big way of, of saying that we really want to respect the people who first understood this place and held relationship with the natural systems here so that we can better understand how to hold them today. A couple episodes ago, we featured Charles Wright as our salmon champion, and he is a subsistence elder on the Yukon River system. And he really highlighted all the stresses that salmon in that watershed are facing and now we're just going a little bit south to the Kuskokwim, which is really the sister river of the Yukon. And the salmon in that system are facing the same stressors. And in addition to that, they're facing the prospect of another massive open pit mine in their watershed, the Donlin Mine. We're going to be hearing from two salmon champions later on in this episode who will help us shed light on this issue and better understand it. Well, I'm going to sit on my uh, the edge of my chair till we get to that interview. But in the meantime, might we start with some music? Absolutely. Who do you have today for us, Satchel? Uh, we've got the Sweet Lilies. They're kind of a mountain jam folk soul band, I guess I'd say. And they graced the Salmon Fest stage with harmonies and just a lot of tender fun. All right, let's go there. Here are the Sweet Lilies.
Let's shuffle backstage and uh, sit down and talk with the Sweet Lilies. Hi, we are the Sweet Lilies, and we are from Boulder, Colorado, and um, we play Americana Jamgrass music. Nice. So is this uh, your first time in Alaska? Oh, it's some of our first time, um, but the first tour that the band ever went on actually ended in Girdwood and we played at Alieska and that was uh, about five years ago almost almost exactly it was about the same time of year when we were up here wow so um what are your thoughts on Alaska well Alaska is beautiful and the people are the most strikingly authentic decent honest people you'll ever meet on tour Everybody is just who they are. And it helps me be just be okay with who I am. So find, being able to just be still inside and be yourself a little bit. I think that's Alaska. It's like, yeah. You know, we came into Alaska and we felt like we've seen a lot, but we've really only seen this much Alaska in about 10 days talking to the people. So it's a huge state and hoping we can see a lot more of it in the future. Salmon Fest, which is a celebration of all things salmon. Um, I noticed that you all were really enjoying that salmon dip. Um, do any of you fish? I used to fish with my dad a little bit, but I don't eat fish anymore. I'm sorry. These girls love, if, if I catch a fish, they'll eat it. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's, cool. That's great. Yeah, I don't know how to fish, but I know how to eat fish. Nice. <laughs> do you have a favorite way to eat salmon? Pretty much always. Um, since we've been here, we've had. Um, smoked salmon done by our hosts and like in different ways so just the fresh salmon right here yeah can't get enough of it <laughs> we were fed by the staff chef last night rather than the artist chef and he had made some of his homemade smoked salmon that he caught and it was incredible absolutely amazing. <laughs> nice so as musicians, um, do you all ever incorporate activism or the issues that you care about into the songs that you write? Yeah, I definitely write about 
a lot of my songs are they have that undertone of um, the issues at hand in the United States and maybe all through the world right now particularly the issues of the the biggest thing that stands out I think when I'm writing is the feeling that humans are not being cared for across the board in a in a way that is just and only some people are being treated like they matter right now and that upsets me oh I know that a a, a theme in a lot of my songs is like uh, a sense of unrest and I do think that that comes from uh, the state of things you know in the world and that you know is kind of a loose um, a loose definition or it's like kind of widespread and maybe a little vague but I think that it's pretty uh, um, pretty common to feel a little out of place or uncomfortable in your skin for a lot of reasons and I think that uh, community is the way out of that and so the more that we can come together as community and uh, do right things and stand up for what matters, I think, the better. As touring musicians, you've probably seen a lot of this continent, and I'm wondering, have you, in your experience, like, going place to place, have you seen, like, the impacts of climate change? Have you seen anything? Oh, yes. Any stories that you'd like to share about that? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's a constantly discussed issue, especially in northern climates right now, like, where glaciers are receding, uh, fish populations are diminishing. There's like, I think Alaska more than any place we've ever played feels the effects of climate change right now. Everyone is going to feel it, but these places that are more, more dependent on the ecosystem and the ecosystem is more delicate, um, feel it first. And of course, anyone who's living off the land feels it hardest, so. We've been, Ryan Schmidt, the gentleman who played banjo with us today, who is from Alaska, he's from um, Seward. He, he is a fisherman, that's what he does. And he's been explaining to us a lot about the impacts of climate change and other, other things like oil in, in, in his world. And, um, but yeah, all of it's related to climate change, obviously, and um, yeah, you see it everywhere. You see places where they're like, yeah, we don't get any snow anymore. Or yeah, now it gets 120 degrees in the summer, like if we're in the South, you know, and everybody talks about it. Like I, I'm surprised that you don't hear more about it in the news because everybody talks about it where we go. Because we talk to people, you know, we're not watching the news, we're talking to people. Not to say we never watch the news, but that's not where we get all our information. So it's different, you know. That's the cool thing about traveling is you get to hear and learn about things firsthand, not just what people want you to hear. And I encourage people to go out there and talk to people because that's who has the information. Yeah, that's real. Those lived experiences. Yeah. They're big. Well, I was going to say, I've, I've toured, this is my 49th state, and it's the 49th state. And um, over my years of touring, what I've noticed in the last couple of years is that more festivals are becoming more conscious of their impact and Salmon Fest is pretty much the pinnacle of that experience with you know fewer single-use plastics and compostable products and things like that but I really think that's such a great example for other festivals to follow and other venues to follow 
because um, it's just not uh, enough just yet, you know. But um, but it's catching on, and, and Salmon Fest has been really incredible in that way. So, yeah. Good to hear. Um, are there any other ways that you think make Salmon Fest different than other festivals that you've played at? I mean, I think just the the culture of being up in Alaska is pretty unique, and the the way that people travel to get here is um, is really impressive. I mean, we traveled to get here, but you know, the whole state comes out, and it's just kind of people get together and um, celebrate music and salmon and um, so much to like all of it together. And so it's, it's cool to see people come from so many different places and work so hard to get here. And then they're just they're just having a good time. <laughs> so yeah. that's great to see people being happy um, and enjoying each other and uh, coming together for something so important. Awesome. I think also one of the bigger, um, the differences here is the way people are so direct. When you come into like Alaska and a festival here, it's really different. There's no like, there's no very little small talk. People talk to you about real things. They want to ask you real questions and they want real answers. If someone says, how are you doing? They want to know, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my last question is, what gives you hope? Ooh, that's a good question. My, my answer to that is simple. People give me hope. I mean, honestly, seeing, you know, 8,000 people come to Salmon Fest, not just for the music, but for the activism, for education on what the cultures of Alaska and globally are experiencing because of climate change, because of big money, oil, and gas, and everything else. To see community come together with activism at its core is really gives me hope. Yeah. Amen, sister. The last thing I'm going to have you say is, and you can say this all together if you want, or you can have one person say it, but it's, this is oh, your band, yes. you're listening to Santa Fest Radio. Okay. Let's all say it together. What are we saying? Yeah. No, we have a we are the, We'll say, we are the Sweet Lilies. How are we going to harmonize? Okay, as close as you can to the mic as possible. This is... Should we say, we, we, are, we are the Sweet Lilies? And you're listening, yeah. okay. And you're listening to Salmon Fest. Just do radio. Just oh, just on radio. This is the Sweet Lilies, and you're listening to Salmon Fest. Radio. We are the Sweet Lilies, and you're listening to Salmon Fest Radio. That was such a lovely conversation. Thank you, Sweet Lilies. And also, thank you for that lovely harmonic Salmon Fest radio at the end. You may recognize it. We included it in our official Salmon Fest radio jingle that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Oh, man. <clears throat> That's how the magic gets made, isn't it? When you're listening and you get to see how part of our jingle gets conceived of and perfected and delivered on the spot in a matter of 30 seconds. It's pretty good. Should we listen to one more tune? Yeah, we got another one. Let's roll it. All right, push go. This song is actually just about 
life just helping other people. That's the whole song. It's all about her. And what it feels to be feeling bad and then running into her. And then you feel better and then that's what it's about, I guess. Yeah, she's a shaman, so we call it the shaman song. Riding down that long highway Looking to find me Darkness all around in my heart Looking to find me Lightning streaks the sky Clouds go rushing by Like the phantoms in my mind What did I come here for? Did I hope to find? Then, like a light, she comes whispering in the night. 
So we actually have two salmon champions today, and they're both committed to protecting the Kuskokwim region from a proposed mine, Donnellan Mine. It's a major issue that's been overshadowed by other development projects in our state. And we're really happy to be able to uh, shine a light on the Kuskokwim region and the issues that the people care about. So we have Miley, who's an attorney for Earth Justice, a law firm that is representing tribes in the region. And we have Bev, who grew up in Bethel and continues to maintain a subsistence lifestyle. We'll have Miley introduce herself first. My name is Miley Towipunjalern. I'm a senior attorney at Earth Justice in its Alaska office, and I'm based in Anchorage. Earth Justice is a nonprofit environmental law firm. We represent conservation groups and tribes throughout the country and here in Alaska to protect the environment and the health of the people who live here. Our vision includes justice for the environment and justice for people, and our work to represent tribes in the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta squarely fits into that. My name is Beverly Hoffman. I was born and raised on the Kuskokwim River in a town, Bethel, Alaska, and uh, I'm almost 70 years old. So I've been around a long time, and I love the Kuskokwim River and the food that it provides. I have been a subsistence fisherman all my life. Growing up in a family of nine, our family was very dependent on the food from the land and the river, and salmon was key. And I, like many people, had always looked forward to the king salmon and the red coming up the river and put them in fillets and smoke dry them and smoke them. And then, you know, we jar fish, we kipper fish, we dry fish, freeze fish, and it allows us to live in an area where the price of fuel and electricity and store-bought groceries are very high, and we can supplement, especially when you have low income, the high prices of things by what you preserve. And at the same time, there's so much modernization every day being introduced. You know, I tell people I'm an elder in training. If you're older than me and if you're younger than me, then I, I've seen so much decades that passed and changes um, and population growth have happened and uh, sometimes I just take a deep breath with it all but it's still it's still okay and and that's why it's so important teaching our children how to live out here to gather the, the berries the birds put up the fish that we need, hunt for moose and caribou. It's just so important. It's such a part of our lives. And if we couldn't have that, if we didn't have that, we couldn't live here. Bev grew up in a time when indigenous language and culture was suppressed. 
But over the course of her life, she's seen indigenous people be able to find their voices again. Partly this was empowered by developments, including the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act and the establishment of native corporations. But with those establishments introduced a value system, which Bev has found frequently in conflict with traditional ways of life. You'll hear Bev talk about this tension in relation to Donlin. But before we go any further, let's back up and talk about Donlin. Miley provided a very succinct overview of the project. So if built, the Donlin mine would be the largest pure gold mine in the world. It would have a 27-year mine life, and it would produce 1.6 million tons of ore. The mine itself would sit on Crooked Creek, which is a tributary to the Kuskokwim River, and it would be just 10 miles from the Kuskokwim. The companies that are developing Donlin, um, there are two Canadian companies. One is called Nova Gold, and the other is called Barrick. In addition, the, the subsurface rights to the land that the mine sits on is owned by the Chalista Corporation, which is the regional for-profit native corporation in the Yukon-Kuskokwim region. And the surface rights to the land are owned by the Kuskokwim Corporation. So they have agreements with the Kuskokwim Corporation and Chalista to develop the mine. Those leases have been longstanding, um, and the agreements with the company have been around I believe, for a couple of decades in terms of developing the land. I didn't realize the scope um, of this mine until their first meeting in Bethel. They started reading it, and they brought all the mucky mucks in and it's going to be economic development, and we're going to be able to um, do this safely. And they showed those first slides of, you know, the, the vision of this 2.2-mile wide open pit mine, one of the largest in the world. And some of us in there were going on a salmon spawning river, really. And we started researching, and the more we looked into the threat of what could happen, um, that's when we started finding our voices. But sadly, my own native corporation, Chalista and BNC, they, uh, the board says, well, if it's going to happen, we need to be ready to make a profit. And that is what hurts so many of our shareholders that live here, that count on these uh, food sources, to know that our own corporation is behind all of this, but we could lose a way of life. And when that is threatened, yeah, maybe you have to become a nuisance and this loud woman. Over 300 of my fellow female Chalista shareholders put together a letter with all those signatures in a short time, begging our corporation, put it to a vote. But sadly, um, they keep moving forward as 35 tribes at their annual meeting in 2019 voted against the development of Donland. But yet, our Chalista Corporation and our Bezel Native Corporation and Cusco Corporation 
in Anchorage and in a corporate building, and they've lost touch with what truly the people want and need. I know we need to look at economic development, but it needs to fit, and it cannot threaten a way of life. Through Donlin's permitting process, the environmental impact statement has clearly identified many of the impacts the mine would bring to the region. And these impacts are really what's driving the local people's concern. What Donlin would result in is a pit lake that is two square miles wide and would never meet water quality standards and would have to be treated in perpetuity. It would also result in 600 million tons of mine waste. Those are tailings. And that would need to be stored behind a tailings dam forever. If the dam ever failed, mine waste would flow into Crooked Creek, which is a tributary of the Kuskokwim, and then onward to the Kuskokwim. There would also be a huge increase in barge traffic on the Kuskokwim to supply the mine with diesel for its trucks and cargo. Um, There would be triple the number of barges on the Kuskokwim, and the barges would be up to four times the size they are today. That would interfere with the use of the river, and propeller wash from the barges would likely destroy the eggs of rainbow smelt, which are an important subsistence fish that return to the Kuskokwim each year in the spring to spawn. Um, near the mine itself, there would be water quality violations for mercury temperature and salmon habitat. That's what the EIS predicts. The mine would be adding mercury to the environment, and pumping from pit dewatering would create a cone of depression that would suck water out of nine miles of Crooked Creek, and that would raise the temperature of the stream and destroy salmon habitat there. So those are just some of the impacts um, that the mine holds. We already see the threat of the declining King salmon numbers due to high seas fisheries, the, you know, the Bering Sea, pollock fisheries, climate change, overfishing with the big nets. We, we, we see what happens. You throw something like Donlin in there, and it's 10 times, maybe even more, the threat. And when you... When you look at the stuff that's being put out and the possible mercury and cyanide, we're talking about uh, over 2,000 acres of tailing impoundments requiring water treatment. And and the barges, over 200 barges a summer um, going up to feed the surprises. Have you ever been behind a barge in a river? The erosion effect on our fish, it's so scary that our leaders don't see that. If you throw four barges a day going up the river every day in addition to what's already here, there's nothing good that I see with those kind of additions to an already fragile ecosystem. It needs to be protected. So, Satchel, can we take a deeper dive into what's going on now with the Donlin mine? Yeah, 
absolutely. Earth Justice is doing everything they can to help tribes protect where they live. Sometimes that looks like assisting tribes during a permit comment period, and sometimes that looks like appealing a permit decision on the tribe's behalf. Here's Miley's rundown on where we are with Donlin in the permitting process. Donlin has applied for and received a number of permits, including this 404B permit that we think is doubtful. But there are also a number of permits that are pretty critical that it has not received yet. That includes water rights permits from the state. This is water to withdraw and impound all the water that Donlin needs to mine. Donlin also needs a right-of-way permit to build a pipeline from Cook Inlet to the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. It would be a 316-mile natural gas pipeline that would cross both state and federal land, so it needs a state permit for that. And we're also waiting on a dam safety certification. The state has been completely supportive, it seems, of the Donlin Mine Project. Um, To take one example, the environmental impact statement predicted several likely water quality violations. Despite that, DEC has been going ahead and rubber stamping the state water quality certification every time it's gone back to them. The state also approved a waste treatment plan that would allow Donlin to create a pit lake that would require water treatment for all time. And both DEC and DNR had to permit that. Um, The state has also repeatedly disregarded tribal requests for consultation in the Donlin Mine project. Miley just mentioned the water quality certificate. And in fact, while I was chatting with her, the commissioner of the Department of Environmental Conservation, Jason Bruni, overruled an administrative law judge's recommendation to withdraw the permit based on the high levels of mercury that would be released into the watershed if this mine is constructed. We have Bev's reaction to that decision. by DEC Commissioner Jason Brune to say, oh no, it's going to be safe and issue these water permits. Let this happen. Has the guy even ever been out here? You know, who is this man? And that he would take a judge's decision and say, oh, poo on that and poo on these people that live out there. And this mine needs to go forward without all these other considerations. That's crazy, and it's sad, and yet it's so typical, so typical of that corporate mindset of development and the development of our resources without care of the people that live there. We need to be self-sufficient people. We need some cash to survive. You need money for this and that. But you can't eat gold. And that is the bottom line, is that we need our fish. We need our berries. We need our birds. That's what makes people happy, to be able to get out on the river, enjoy fishing the river, going berry picking, going bird hunting, going moose hunting, Enjoyed my whole adult life here 
because of what the land and the water provide, and to know that future generations might not ever be able to have that opportunity if this mine goes through. We're an adaptable people, but we also have to really um, get our strong voices out and keep speaking out to save this land and to save our river because you can't have the biggest opposite mine in the world established on our salmon spawning river that feeds not just human beings but a whole ecosystem. Please um, help us by being strong voices, even though you don't live here, by respecting this the people that do live here and support our efforts to stop this mine. We want to thank both our salmon champions for, for sharing this story and helping us, helping us illuminate this issue, but m- most of all for working together to protect sustainable salmon systems that support really unique and invaluable cultures in our state. The thing that stood out to me as I learned more during the interview is how huge this Donlin project is and how many inputs will be required and the potential scale of the damage or impacts to the system. So it was an eye-opener for me to learn more from both Miley and, and Bev. And I especially want to thank Bev for just being fearless and for continuing to use her voice in spaces in which it's uncomfortable to do so. We're going to flip this around and go to our Jammin' for Salmon segment, where we're going to kick off the set. Who are we kicking off the set with, Dave? Let's start out with a musician introducing another musician who's singing a song. In this case, Joe Raphael is going to sing a sing-along we can all join, and he's being introduced by our friend Steve Poltz. As I was walking that river and a highway I saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley this land was made
the shadow of the steeple. I see my people by the relief office. I see my people, and as they stood there hungry, I stood there asking, Was this land made for you and me? Up next, a tune from our friends, Wookiefoot. Well, you might see a man 
close up his open hand and see how greedy my old rage wrecked his fist. And you will witness pain for people's petty pursuits began. But you will never see a hearse with a trailer hitch. No, you will never see a hearse with a trailer hitch.
out the set with one of my favorites horseshoes and hand grenades singing their typical closer for their shows the rattling bug And in that bog there was a tree, a rare tree, a rattling tree. And the tree in the bog in the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, the rattling bog in the bog down in the valley, oh. Rare bog, a rattling bog in the bog down in the valley, oh. And on that tree there was a limb, a rare limb, a rattling limb. And a limb on the tree, and a tree in the bog in the bog down in the valley, oh. Branch, a rare branch, a rattling branch, and the branch on the limb, and the limb on the tree, and the tree in the bog, and the bog down in the valley. Oh, the rattling bog, and the bog down in the valley. When on that branch there was a twig, a rare twig, a rattling twig, and twig, and the branch, and the branch, and the limb, and the limb, on the tree, and the tree, and the bog, and the bog, down in the valley, oh, 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 rattling bog, and the bog, down in the valley, oh, rare bog, rattling bog, and the bog, down in the valley, oh, when on that twig there was a leaf, a rare leaf, a rattling leaf, and a leaf, and a twig, and a twig, and the branch, and the branch, and the limb, and the limb, on the tree, and the tree, and the bog, and the bog, down in the valley, oh, 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 rattling bog, and the bog, down in the valley, oh, rare bog, rattling bog, and the bog, down in the yeah, we know that if there was a nest, a rare nest, a rattling nest, a nest, a leaf, 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 a on the egg there was a bird, a rare bird, a rotten bird, a birdie egg, 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 and that's a nest, a leaf, a leaf, a tig, a tig, a branch, a branch, a limb, a limb, a tree, a tree, a bog, a bog, down in the valley, on a row, a rotten bog, a bog, down in the valley, on a bear, a bog, a rotten bog, a bog, down in the valley, oh, the brother was a father, rare father, rotten father, 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 father,
bog and the bog down in the valley. Oh. Well, Dave, should we thank the people that make this show come together? Let's do that because without them, this would show would be a lot shorter. Yeah, or hardly even happen at all. Exactly. So I would like to recognize our friends at KBBI here in Homer for their technical support and the use of this fancy equipment. And I'd like to thank Pastor Tim and Brian Belay for recording the music that we played today in our episode. And of course, Cook Inlet Keeper. And the team that organizes Salmon Fest. And of course, all of our featured guests today. We've got Bev and Miley, our salmon champions. And the Sweet Lilies, also for contributing that valuable portion of our Salmon Fest radio jingle. And they were interviewed by my friend Allie Rosenbluth. And thank you, Kira Hardy, our esteemed producer. Thank you, Dave. And to you, Satchel, and to our listeners out there, if you like the show, don't forget, you can uh, uh, share it with others. Uh, you can find us wherever you find your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review if you would. That helps out. And until next time, Spawn on Alaska. We are the Sweet Lilies, and you're listening to Salmon Fest Radio. <laughs>